Last Sunday, I shared a message on Paul and Barnabas in conflict. Wanted to follow up on that with a couple of devotions. Acts 15, verse 36 says that after about a year passed, Paul and Barnabas, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we preach the word of the Lord. See how they're doing. Paul and Barnabas had gone on a church planting mission and started some churches in in Turkey, in what we would call modern-day Turkey, and now he's wanting to go back and visit the churches. But Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark and sailed with him to Cyrus. But Paul chose Silas, and after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of our God, and departed after being commended. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that this would be a timely word for all who are listening today, whether it's a few hours after this is recorded or whether it's a few years. We thank you that you are that kind of sovereign God who knows to what we need at just the right time. So I pray in that light that you would guide me to say what needs to be said as well. Through Christ I pray. Amen. So in the message last week, we talked about how Paul and Barnabas so sadly went separate ways, even though they had been such dear friends. And um, and so some of the lessons that we learned from that, one was that we need to uh, treat conflict carefully. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. And at this point, the Hippocratic Oath is a pretty good oath for all of us to say, hey, first, let's do no harm. When there's conflict, the first objective ought to be, let's treat this carefully so we don't make matters worse. Sometimes I wonder if modern television and uh, film, television films, have given us a false expectations of how reality actually works. You know, because the thing about a television show or a television movie is there's conflict, and then 30 minutes later or an hour and a half later, it's resolved. Now, there's always going to be conflict. I mean, part of the telling of the story, the, the, one of the things that they teach in basic um, writing class is there's got to be conflict. You got to let bad things happen to people that you like in your stories. But can you can you imagine, you know, Seinfeld where Jerry and Elaine and George always get along? You know, they never conflict. There be, wouldn't be anything entertaining about that. The problem is, it's just not realistic to believe that you can have a conflict, a serious conflict, repeated conflicts with somebody. And then 30 minutes later, it can all be resolved and there aren't going to be any lingering consequences. The reality is when there's conflict and it's not handled well, even if it's handled well, there can be harm. But especially if it's not handled well, there can be damage that lingers for decades. So responding to carelessly to conflict, you and I know, we've experienced enough of to, to, to know, it's like throwing gasoline on an already out of control fire. So I was thinking about some funny responses that people have had in conflict. And I wonder how it really affected the conflict 
or would affect a conflict in real life. You know, someone once yelled at Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of England, "Um, must you fall asleep while I am speaking, they said. No, Winston Churchill responded, it's purely voluntary. I wonder how it went after that with that relationship. Um, There's a well-known conflict, that ongoing conflict he had with Lady Astor. Lady Astor, of course, his classic story says, Sir Sir Winston, you're drunk. They're at a party and Sir Winston, you're drunk. He said, yes, I am, Lady Astor. But tomorrow I'll be sober and you'll still be ugly. Witty, mean, uh, but it's no wonder the relationship never improved. Oscar Wilde was one time one, one time asked uh, Sarah Bernhard, "Do you mind if I smoke?" Sarah Bernhard responded, "I don't care if you burn." Pretty funny. Not sure how well it did to mend the relationship. Somebody once got into a heated conflict with somebody, and 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 the response was, "I would agree with you." but then we'd both be wrong. Again, funny, witty, works well at a television show, but I wonder how the clever responses really affect us in real life. So I wanna talk about four ways, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with others. Four ways that we can make conflicts worse, that people make conflicts worse if they're not careful. One way, and it's common thing that people do is impugn motives. Tell the other person why they did something and always impugn their reasons. You know, hey, you're angry because I got the promotion and you're jealous. Uh, you know what the problem is? The problem is you need to grow up. You know what the problem is? You have relationship issues. Uh, did your mother force toilet training on you? You know, not that we use that one so often, but you see, whenever you get into a conflict and then you start telling somebody that the reason they do their stuff is because of bad motives, it just destroys the relationship because now all of a sudden that person, not only does it show that you have contempt for that person and it's really hard to be in a relationship with somebody that you feel contempt with or feels contempt with you, of you, but now all of a sudden you're having to deal with trying to help somebody understand your motives weren't impure. It's just trouble. A second thing people do to elevate conflict is tell people how they should feel. This is always really helpful. You shouldn't be so upset. You ever tell somebody that and have them say, oh man, you are so right, that's right. I mean, maybe if you're having a rational conversation, but most of the time it's like, what do you mean? Don't tell me how I should feel. Or you're overreacting. Or you know, you're not being reasonable. Be reasonable, you just need to be reasonable. Oh, tell me how I should feel and how I'm feeling right now is, is unacceptable to you. Um, another way to escalate the conflict unnecessarily is to raise your voice. Instead of listening to understand, focus on your next line of argument and then make sure you raise the voice and for good, if you wanna really do it well, interrupt the other person before they're done talking. 
Um, one of the things that I so respect in military people, people who have been prepared in the military, is they know the value of a calm voice and of slow responses in times of <laughs> crisis. You know, they know if they go to their troops and 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 start screaming orders and get out of here, we gotta get that the, the, the troops are gonna are gonna react emotionally. But if they can go in calmly and say, everybody, grab your guns, this is where we're going, follow me. There's a whole different set sense of confidence in moving forward. Remember Apollo 13? There's this catastrophic explosion that uh, Lovell sees out the window. Everything's going nuts, and things are kind of panicked inside the mission. But he calls Houston, and in that classic recorded piece, he says, Houston, we have a problem as though he's ordering tea at breakfast. Uh, Houston, uh, could I have some English, you know, some Earl tea, please? Earl Grey tea. It's like, why? and I, I, I have to believe that's military training. It's amazing, you listen to uh, voice recorders of airline pilots sometimes in the middle of, you know, uh, of, of troubles in the air, and they're just like, very matter-of-fact, right? Why? Because they know raising your voice just makes matters worse. But if you, so if you want to make matters worse, increase the volume, talk more quickly. The final way to make a conflict worse is to focus on the past. Don't focus on positive resolution. Don't focus on your responsibility. Don't focus on forgiveness, Focus on the past. Live in the past. Find that conversation. In that middle of that conversation, find ways to link it to the faults of the person they've done in the past. Well, you've done this so many times. You know, don't you remember that time? Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that time that you. You know, play the victim card. Blame the other person. Get stuck in the past. And then all of a sudden... Satan has you. You can't focus on resolving the conflict right now because all of a sudden the conflict is about something that can't be changed in the past. Paul and Barnabas' story ends well. Fortunately, there is forgiveness. They focus on God. They focus on moving forward. The work of the church continues. Paul plants churches Barnabas visits churches, works with the church, leads in the church. We find no signs of negative effects as a result of this conflict. And 10 years later, Paul writes in his final recorded words, bring to me John Mark. I want John Mark to be close to me. He's useful for ministry. That says to me that Whatever mistakes they made, they didn't make them, uh, they didn't increase the mistakes by foolishness that made the situation impossible to resolve. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with others. Today, this week, as you find yourself in opportunities for conflict, in conversations, 
watch what you're doing. Don't make matters worse. Heavenly Father, help us to be people of peace. In a world filled with conflicts, especially as we're coming up to election day and people are arguing about so many different things, help us to respond graciously and not impetuously or emotionally or, un or, or, or in unforgiving ways. Would you be with us in every conflict? Would you be our peace? Through Christ we pray. Amen. Next time, I'm going to share one more insight of uh, how to deal with conflict from Paul and Barnabas' story. Hope you'll join us then.